to Jesus, and thank you for tuning in to Oh Brother, Who Art Thou? Are you the prodigal, the eldest brother, or are you the baby brother? Are you the younger brother? Let's find out. Jesus, in the New Testament, tells a beautiful story. Luke 15. A man had two sons, and these are the words of Jesus himself. A man had two sons. And the younger of them said, Father, give me the share of the estate that belongs to me. So he divided the wealth between them, the father did. And the younger brother, of course, went off and journeyed to a faraway place and squandered his wealth. All of his estate was lost with loose living foolishness. Now, after he spent everything, you guys know how the story goes. He ends up in a pig pen dying of hunger, looking at the food of the pigs, going, I got to get me some of that. (laughs) And says, but maybe I can just go home. Even as a slave and an employee in my father's house, at least I'll have food and be fed, right? A roof over his head, a bed to sleep in, and some food in his empty, hungry belly. Now, he said he was going to do this to go get some food. But he had to figure out how he was going to get home. And what he was going to say to his dad. And so he figured it out, like we all do. Plotting in our minds how we're going to get back to the place we basically ruined (laughs) with our foolishness. And he decides that he is going to say to his father, he has come to the end of himself, and he now he's in a repentant state. And he's going to say, this is Luke 15, 19, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. Now, I know El Bilby gets way too excited reading scripture, but hey, that's just who I am. He's going over in his mind how he's going to say it. And he actually starts to say that when he reconciles with his father. And he says, I have sinned against heaven and earth, which is true, which is totally true. Father, I've sinned against heaven and earth, and I'm no longer to be called your son. And then here comes God's butt. But the father said, now this is Jesus. This is Jesus telling the story about lost sinners. But the father said to his slaves... Bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring that fat calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate together for this son of mine was dead. He's come back to life. He's lost and now he's been found. What's so remarkable about this story Is that all this excitement, this great turnaround is going on. This guy who was completely selfish, all he wanted was money from his dad. 
and went out and like blew it, completely blew it, is home. And he literally doesn't want anything from his dad anymore. He's like, if you'll just, like, you just give me some food. <laughs> just give, like, I don't even want to be your son. Like, I don't deserve it. I'm not worthy. Just, just let me eat. <laughs> just let me have a good meal. This guy is so changed that he's he's come home and and God is like not even acknowledging all of this moaning and groaning and groveling that this son is doing. Father God, which is a picture of, of the, the prodigal father in this in this story, is just happy to have his son home. And so, I mean, it's a marvelous tale. And then verse 25 happens. Now the older brother is in the field and approaches the house and he hears, you know, celebrating. And he's like, what's all this about? You know, like <laughs> there's happy people around. And he basically says to, in this story, it's a picture, the father's picture of God. Like, what are you doing? Like this, this brother of yours, this wicked son of yours has come home and you're going to kill the fatted calf for him. And he's like, I ain't even going to the party. I'm so mad. I ain't even going to the party. And his father is like so kind, so giving, so loving, wants his, like loves his son so much that he wants him to be so happy. He's like begging his son to come in, like come into the party. I'm, I'm begging you, pleading with you to come into the party. You know, even though you're angry, like come into the party. But he answered his father and the older brother, oh brother of, of ours, the older brother answers and is like, look, I've been working in this house, slaving away, and I've done everything you've said I should do. Yet you never gave me a goat. <laughs> it's like you never even gave me a young goat so that I could celebrate. So this guy is obviously not a partier because he ain't never had a party. Bless his soul. Bless his heart. He's never had any fun his whole life. And so he's mad. He's literally bitter that when the son who came home that like loved a party <laughs> wanted to come home, that that God actually, the father actually just celebrated that he was home. And so Jesus is explaining to us the picture of these two sibling brothers and and it's really to be perfectly honest if you study the word of god this actually is jesus he's doing a throwback to cain and abel there's an older brother i have been serving you and never neglected one of your commands and yet you never gave me a, a goat no goat Literally, no animal. Cain was given the soil, the land to till. He was not given a goat. He was not given a sheep like Abel was a shepherd. He was given no animal. He was given the earth. The prodigal is a story about two brothers. And the first story in the Bible, first are important, very important, especially with God. The first two brothers that you hear about in the Bible are Cain and Abel. And we all know, <clears throat> excuse me, we all know what happens to Cain and Abel. 
And the story of Cain and Abel just so happens that the older brother is also jealous and angry and mad in that story. So you can't say that Jesus is not perfecting his word in the New Testament. He is literally revealing in the New Testament the meaning behind every single story he's told in his word. And we know his words are not just story, but also existence and creation that's happened on the earth. So literally mankind, the earth itself, all flesh, everything that God has created will manifest and glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that's why God goes back to immediately Cain and Abel, the firstborn Cain. His name in Hebrew means like spear or possessor of a spear. He was a tiller of the ground. (laughs) You didn't give me a goat. You didn't give me an animal. No, because Cain was given the earth. He was given the earth to toil after Adam's curse and to dig. He was going to do that with a spear. He was a tiller and and toiler of the ground. And he certainly used something to kill his brother Abel. Abel, the second born, was killed and betrayed, stabbed in the back. He was, Cain was a backstabber. He used a knife or a spear. I mean, when you talk about betrayal, why is it Truth to stand the test of time. Hello. Why is it that you always hear the saying, they stabbed me in the back? Oh, because your brothers, Cain and Abel, Cain stabbed him in the back. Wow. God is so cool. Hello. And so that's what happened. The firstborn was jealous of his brother because Abel was given sheep, an animal, He was a shepherd. And so therefore, that's what what Abel brought to God that was acceptable was the blood of a lamb, the blood of an animal. And Cain was like, but you didn't give me no goat. (laughs) And and so, you know, I'm I'm saying animal here. It is a generic parallel because goat and sheep, even in the Bible, have different meanings. Cain was jealous. You didn't give me no goat. And a goat is a rebellious person. And so he was actually jealous you didn't give him a rebellious person. Um, We're not going to go into that level of detail today. You need to know the generic, you didn't give me an animal as a sacrifice. But we know God did give an animal. God gave the lamb of God. And Cain, Cain represents literally... The breed, the class, the species, the line, the lineage of mankind that will literally never bring an animal just like Cain did not bring an animal, a blood offering to God to be acceptable before God. Cain never brought the blood of the lamb, a people who will never bring the blood of Christ to the Lord, to God Almighty, to be acceptable to him. A people who will never believe in Jesus Christ 
or receive salvation. So let's go into, and you might need your notes, get your pencils, get your paper, get your notes app. Let's go into something a little bit deeper about the sons of God, about the sons of man, about mankind in general, in the eyes of Almighty God. Because we know that Jesus started this parable with these words. A man had two sons. We were talking about Cain, the firstborn son. Then we talked about Abel. Then Eve had a third son named Seth. Now, Seth means appointed or granted. Um, Abel means vapor or breath. And it's the same word used as in like altogether vanity, like fleeting. And so if you look at this, God in his holiness and sovereignty ordained that Adam and Eve, the Bible talks about their first three sons. It doesn't talk about really any other sons. It just talks about those first three. So there's a reason God has described or talked to us about the first three sons. So go ahead and write down one, two, three, Cain, Abel, Seth. Because in the eyes of God, there's Cain, a people who can never, who will never be saved. And actually, Cain, mankind, cannot be saved until Jesus dies. Even though they believe in God, like literally nobody can really be saved until Christ has shed his blood in the time of man, not in the time of God, in, in eternity where time doesn't exist in God's eternal realm, not in God's realm where he dwells, but in the realm of God, of, of man, time exists. And so in man's realm, 4,000 years as a, 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 the first son, the sons of mankind, we can't be saved until, this is BC, 4,000 years we can't be saved until Jesus actually comes down and dies on the cross and spends 33 years on this earth. So man's time, one, two, three, Cain, Abel, Seth, you've got the time of the earth. 4,000 years is the time of Cain when mankind cannot be saved or receive salvation because Jesus has not died. The second son, Abel, is the zero line or a dash. It's fleeting. It's vanity, right? In the time of man, 33 years seems like no big big deal. And then you've got Seth, 2,000 years. So Cain, Abel, Seth, 4,000, 0, 2,000 is another column you're going to add to your one, two, three rows. And this is describing, okay, now there isn't a time, an appointed time, a day of favor of the Lord when man can receive salvation. Now, another time frame of man, if you want to add another column, is the BC, which is your 4,000 years, the second son of mankind, which is the 33 years, that dash time frame of Abel when Jesus walked the earth. 
Um, or really, it's that three-day period where Christ died for our sins. But then you've got Seth, the time frame of man of A.D. Fabulous. Um, and we we can break it out like this. Um, and it's almost like how God is relating to man. God is always tying himself to man because Jesus is a man. Um, the other column I'm going to have you write as I continue to explain this in a little bit. But I'm going to have you go ahead and write. 2000, 2000, and 2000 in that one, two, three, at a row, 2000, 2000, and 2000. Because again, the earth's existence, what God gave mankind was 6,000 years for this earth. It has an expiration date. A thousand years with the Lord are like one day. So prophetically speaking, in the eyes of Almighty God, these are the three ages of earth, mankind in general, regardless of what's going on with his people. But then in addition, what's going on with his people, because he does have a people, he does have a plan for salvation. So that 2,000 years is from Adam to Abraham is your first 2,000. Your second 2,000 is from Abraham to Jesus. And then your third 2000 is, hello, we're in the year 2021 AD, Jesus to now, where the people of God, where all of the earth is waiting for the manifestations to see who God's children really are. We're waiting for the rapture. And when the rapture happens and you're left behind, because God has promised to take everyone who is saved, literally the earth will reveal who the sons of God are really are. So there's your three sons, three three ages essentially of mankind. And even the earth and its existence is going to glorify the Lord because on the seventh day he's going to rest. The seventh day, the the 1000 years with millennial the millennial reign of Christ will be the seventh day in in God's eyes. So, I mean God's word is so precise and so accurate and it never contradicts itself. It literally just adds on. And don't give me a but because goats, but. <laughs> and again, they are rebellious, unsaved people. Sheep are saved. <laughs> goats are the lost people. Which brother are you, folks? Are you, is Cain your brother? Someone, a picture of a lost person who will essentially never bring the blood of Jesus to God Almighty to get into heaven? Or are you someone like Seth or Abel? (laughs) Bless Abel's heart. I don't want to speak death over anyone. But are you Abel, someone who will bring something that is acceptable to Christ, even if it gets you killed by your brother on this earth? And we know that Christians are often persecuted for their belief. They actually are betrayed by their own kind, mankind, because of the blood of Jesus, because of religion. That is what the first murder was all about. So, whose brother are you? Oh, brother, who art thou? <laughs> um, okay, and so I want to, that's the story of Cain and Abel. And then we know Seth, when God has appointed a day of salvation for mankind, we know that Seth, um, Enoch actually came from, it's really interesting in Genesis 4, the, the next kind of person that God starts talking about is, 
is um, Seth and his lineage. And that is because Enoch, the man who is rapture, comes from Seth. And, and in Genesis 4, after, after he finishes talking about and Seth was born, then he's like, and man began to call on the name of the Lord. Because prophetically speaking, the day of Seth, the third age of man, the third son of man, is a time when salvation is essentially available. And now Jesus is talking to the woman at the well when he reveals himself as the Messiah, as the one who is going to bring the day of salvation. And she says to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. <laughs> when, when he's talking to her and, and she's talking to him about worship and you hear about this battle of like, well, our fathers said, you know, our, our older brothers are saying that we have to go here to worship God. And, you know, Jews are saying this. And, and so she is alluding to this religious argument of mankind and even what the first murder was about. Um, that brothers murder each over, m- murder each other over religion, and Jesus says to her, "You people, you don't even know what you worship. Salvation is is of the Jews. It's from the Jews." And then he says, "An hour is coming." So we know about years and we know about days because God explains those. But then he actually says to this woman, "An hour." An hour is coming and now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For that's who God is looking for to worship him is people who literally want to know the truth and, and will worship him honestly, not a facade of rules and regulations and looking good and feeling good because you fit in with a crowd that believe X, Y, Z. What he, he doesn't want you to believe all those things. He literally wants you to believe in him. And that is salvation. All that other stuff is really just secondary to the blood of the lamb, to, to almighty God, to Jesus Christ, who makes us acceptable in his sight. So how does he get on this kick about ours? Well, just so happens that there's another story in the Bible about Jesus. It's found in the story of Joseph. And Joseph has 10 older brothers. And guess what? They're all jealous of Joseph. Isn't that amazing? God continues to show this picture of the older brother generation or our that mankind is jealous. And now what we're going to talk about now is the time of the Jewish people, Abraham to Jesus, that that 2000 years of Abraham to Jesus, the time of the Jewish people, because Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Levi, the Levitical priesthood, Moses was a Levite. This is where those 10 brothers, Joseph didn't just have any number of older brothers. Joseph had 10 older brothers. The number of the 
guess what? The big 10, the 10 commandments. So this is representing a time of religion, of the 10 commandments, of the Jewish people. And they just so happened these 10 brothers got jealous and tried to kill their brother Joseph. They were not successful. God had mercy. And you've got the 11th son is Joseph. So we're talking about an hour that now is, according to Jesus, a generation, the 11th hour generation will be a time, a picture of the loved and wanted wife. The loved and wanted wife has a son named Joseph. This will be a picture of a time when the church has a son named Joseph. Now, we know that Joseph in the 11th, I mean, the 11th hour generation in this and speaking again hours in God's time is a picture Joseph will be ruling Egypt. The 11th hour is a time when Joseph is ruling Egypt. The beginning of the story with the woman at the well. What does Jesus say? He says it was about the 11th hour. or It was about noon is what some translations put it. Because it was not quite yet noon. It was 11 something. God is so accurate. Wow, wow, wow. I know. I know. Hold on. Hold on to your horses. It gets better. Because what does Rachel name Joseph? Joseph, well, obviously. <laughs> but what does Joseph's name? Bear with me. It's like midnight. I do these at night when I record these. <laughs> but she names Joseph, Joseph, which means, and she said his meaning when she says his name, and, and all the sons of Jacob um, actually have their meanings right there with their names. She says, may the Lord add to me another son. And so this is a picture, an 11th hour in the world where there will be, because it's, it's past 10, right? 10 where the church will be in law. The 11th hour is when the church will have no law, only grace. There's no 10 command, 10th commandment. You can literally line up all the 10 brothers and their names with all the 10 commandments from Exodus 20. And you'll find that you run out of commandments. Come number 11. There's no law. It's only grace. It's the 11th hour generation. Same thing with the 12th hour generation. And who is the 12th brother? Benjamin. And we know that the older brothers, by the time Benjamin came around, they were repentant and sorry as well. Because they felt so bad about what they had done to Joseph. Um, so they actually accepted the Benjamin generation, the Grace generation, the young generation that is being saved and is getting saved all over the world at this time and in this hour of Earth's existence. That literally the young generation is getting saved. And will have more favor. The Benjamin generation will have more favor. Now let's go back to our three sons. One, two, three, Cain, Abel, Seth. So 
If you look at, God hides a clue here because Leah has the third son of Jacob and she names him Levi. <laughs> Hello, that is no coincidence because that is actually speaking about the Levitical priesthood. And what she names Levi, his meaning of his name is now at last, my husband will become attached to me because I have borne him three sons. Um, and so Levi actually means to be attached, to have affection for. So this is literally when the third son is born, when Leah, the church, a picture of the church, um, the, the first wife of Jacob, when she has, when she has the third son, literally when the earth has its third son, its third generation at the end of its 6,000 years after those 2,000 years have passed. This is when a time mankind is saying, now at last our husband, Jesus, will become attached to us because the earth has borne him three sons or 6,000 years if you look at your timetable that we've laid out. So this is where God is saying that how earth and his word speaks to him and speaks of him in every way. Mankind is now saying at last Jesus will come for us or become attached to us or save us from this wretched world because we have now passed 6,000 years because we have now, the earth has now born God three sons. Wow. Isn't God's word so super cool? I thought so. I thought so. I mean, God created time and he created the earth. So he gets to say how long it's going to exist. Because he's God, this is how perfect and holy and sovereign God is. Earth has an expiration date. It's somewhere in 6,000 plus years. It's somewhere in that 6,000 range. God says a thousand years with the Lord are like one day. And we know one, two, three sons. I mean, the number three is meaningful because on the third day, Jesus rose again. And we also, his church, will rise with him. Wow, isn't God cool? Jesus is so, so much bigger than religion. The Bible is about the God who created the whole world. God's word says that man and the world through its own wisdom, through its own smarts and intellect does not know God. That's 1 Corinthians 1 and 21. So God is literally saying they think they're too smart for God. And here is a God whose word is so in-depth. It's so accurate. And it can be because this earth has to manifest that there is a creator. The earth has to manifest that its creator spoke it into existence because it also is a created thing. The knowledge of God, even the skies, there's a psalm, 
Even the sky describes that there is a creator. You, a man, a person has something in them because we're creating the image of God that we know there has to be more. Why? Because we have the spirit of God in us. There has to be more. There has to be a greater being. There has to be someone to worship. Are you a son of God? Are you a daughter of God? Are you a child of God? Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ who died for you, who paid for all your sins? Have you met the God of glory and the one to whom this earth belongs? He's about to come back for for his creation. The earth is going to manifest the creation of the sons of God. Even the earth is groaning for the manifestation of the sons of God, where we are literally raptured and changed back into that immortal state that Adam and Eve originally had because the earth knows it has an owner. It is the sons of God. We are going to rule it in communion, in perfect communion with God, just like Adam and Eve had access to the presence of God in the garden before they fell. The earth knows that this ain't it. The earth itself knows it's fallen. And John 1 and 12 says, All who receive Jesus and believe in his name, God gave them the right to become what? What of all things would God send his son, Jesus Christ, to give mankind the right to, to be or to do. Evangelist? Jesus died so we could become what? Disciples? Apostles? Pastors? Deacons? Why did God send his son Jesus Christ for us so that we could become what? Heirs of salvation? Chosen of God, anointed of God, called of God. We are all those things. But what does this verse say? John 1, 12. But to all who did receive him, that's Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. John says, so that we would become Children of God, you would literally have the right to become God's child for God to now be a father to you. Romans eight sixteen. the spirit of God testifies to our own spirit when we're saved. What does he testify? That we are God's children. And we even ourselves groan inwardly because we hate these bodies. Honestly, once your spirit is born again, and so you have eternal life dwelling in you, like your, your flesh and your body's fighting against you because you're like, oh, no, I, I'm eagerly awaiting the adoption of my real self, of my, of my immortal flesh, of something that doesn't have disease, that doesn't have aches and pains, that doesn't have acne, that doesn't have blemishes, that doesn't age, that doesn't get tired. We are eagerly awaiting the redemption of our bodies because we are children of God and Jesus died to give that back to us. 
And Romans continues, it goes on and it talks about these present sufferings are not comparable. We can't even fathom the glory that will be revealed in us when we are changed to where we can actually stand in the presence of God. Y'all, Jesus, the Lord Almighty is so much bigger than religion. I know some of this stuff might be hard to understand, but that's God knows all about all of this. And that's why he makes it simple. Believe on Christ. Now, I want to rem- remind you of where we started. The older brother, that the story that Jesus tells in the story of the prodigal, because salvation seems so simple. It seems so easy, almost too easy, almost too good to be true. But yeah, that's because it, it cost Jesus everything. It cost him his life. It cost him his health. It cost him everything to die for us. The suffering that he went through. Y'all might have been through one surgery or two surgeries or three surgeries in your lifetime. But Jesus died for the healing of the, all the surgeries of mankind. I can't even fathom the suffering that Jesus went through. And so he's talking about, there's this picture of this older brother. And he says, I have been serving you and I never neglected one of your commands. Yet you never gave me a goat. And and so, and then this son of yours comes in here and, and he's devoured his your wealth with prostitutes and you killed the fatted calf for him. What is this son really mad about? What is the older son? What is Cain? What are the 10 older brothers of Joseph, sons of of the bond slaves, of the servants? Leah's, um, Leah's, well, Leah, the unwanted wife, and then all of the bond servants. What are these older brother stories and pictures about? Well, Jesus tells us. A, a, an oxen or, or cattle is one of the faces of the gospels. It's one of the faces of God if you were, if you read through Revelation. And he's basically saying, you killed Jesus for them? What he's mad about is the fact that you, you even killed Jesus for these people, for the Gentiles, for the rebellious people. For the 11th and 12th brother, that's what all of the jealousy and anger is really about. People who think and have any kind of pride in what they can do for God or what they have done for God or how good they can be and keep God's laws. He says, the older brother says, I have kept and never neglected one of your commands. And this guy who never even tried to keep your commands, who just went out in the wilderness and squandered his wealth and lived a party lifestyle and lost everything. This older brother is like, you killed Jesus for him. Like you even, you know, you didn't give me no goat. Okay, folks, so that is our lesson today. That is what it's all about, the religion of the older brother. Literally, because the first older brother killed his brother over religion. And hopefully, and, and it is true, I, can, I can't really say hopefully, because it is true that when the third brother comes, that 
we know Benjamin, the favor on Benjamin, they the the religious folks finally that age is gone and has died down by the time Benjamin comes around. And again, that generation will manifest itself when when is Benjamin favored? When do the ten brothers become repentant and acknowledge that God didn't just want to save the Jews? Abraham to Jesus, the law keepers, religious folks, you know, Cain, the murderous, jealous, older brother type. When does that happen? When Joseph is ruling Egypt, a picture of the world. When Joseph, prince among his brothers, is ruling Egypt. That's when the Benjamin generation will manifest itself, the 12th hour. That is when we can expect to be raptured. And we know we're way into the time frame of when we can be raptured because it is 2021. And that is what is so hard for church folks, religious folks, and the Jews to come to terms with. And to be perfectly honest, even, even in the garden, this was the struggle. The wife, the 11th and 12th son were born to was Rachel. Rachel, again, women are usually a picture of the church in the Bible in most cases. And Rachel was the wife that was wanted. So Rachel is the church that God wants. The church with no law only grace that will manifest in the 11th and 12th hour of the world, of the generations of man. That is the church God wants. Not the church of the 10 older brothers of the laws of God. Not the the people who are trying to be morally good. He doesn't want believers I mean, God always wants believers, so don't take me wrong. Don't get me wrong there. Jesus wants you to be saved, period, paragraph. But Adam and Eve in the garden fell because of the knowledge of good and evil is what they took a part of, was what they took part of. God doesn't want man to be saved and to be right in his sight by taking part of moral goodness. There is no good thing in your flesh. There's nothing good in Adam and Eve's flesh. They sinned in a perfect world. So we ain't any better. (laughs) And that's what God doesn't want. He wants no law, only grace. He wants you to believe in Jesus Christ and the grace of God. That is your salvation. That is your ticket to heaven and your right standing with God. Your right to become a child of God is by partaking of the tree, Jesus Christ, of life. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the only way to God the Father. Folks, God died for the whole world. Jesus loves the whole world, not just religious people, not just people who go to church. 
God is doing away with religion, with man's ideas, with man's traditions. Jesus loves the whole world and God wants to save everyone. He wants everyone to be reconciled to himself. Jesus suffered and died for every lost person. It is not just the good people that God died for, that Jesus came down and died for. God sent his son that whoever so believes in him shall not perish. God doesn't want anyone to die. This is the calling of the Gentiles. This is why Paul says in Romans, I will call them my people who are not my people. I will call her my beloved who is not my beloved. Isn't that beautiful? The 12th hour is when a great revival will spread across the world and many souls will come to know Christ. It will happen in that very place where I said to them, you are not my people, that they will be called the sons of the living God. And guess what, folks? Jesus, who did he reveal himself to as the Messiah? Do you remember? The woman at the well. You guessed it. You guessed it. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1.7, Therefore, do not lack any spiritual gifts as you eagerly await for the Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. The revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. They didn't have the full revelation of Christ. The early church did not have it. And he says, he's like, wait for it. Wait on it. Because Jesus, I mean, John wasn't, what was he, 90 or 80 or something like that. He was like 100 years old on the island of Patmos when he wrote the book of Revelation. It was not yet written. God gave it to John when he was an old man on that island. <laughs> And Paul is literally, he was telling the believers, wait for it. God is going to give the full revelation of Jesus Christ. And he gave that privilege when he revealed himself as the Messiah to only one woman in the Gospels. And that was the woman at the well. I am she, married to Jesus. Have a happy day.